Okay, I think we're back on the air now, folks. So, uh, yes, no, building's still standing, I'm glad to say. I'll bring in our chief spotter, not chief fireman. Uh, our chief spotter, of course, is the great man, Gary Stone from Sharewealth Systems, great friend of the program. How are you doing, Gary? Yeah, pretty well. Uh, and you, Elio, how are you yeah. doing? Yeah, no, very well, safe and sound here, I'm glad to say. But look, why don't you tell, Gary, why don't we get into it? Because you are a great friend of our business. You're one of our favourites and one of the early adopters to our spotty concept. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your investing background and then more importantly, the great business that you've built at Share Wealth Systems and how, you help, how you've helped uh, investors every single day for the last 30 years. Yeah, well, I've been uh, at this caper for 31 years now. Um, fundamental technical analysis, trying to work out an, an edge, a statistical edge in the market and have had one for many years now. So that's how I invest, according to a statistical edge, which is heavily researched. And then I execute going forward with uh, based on probabilities, effectively, is what it is. Uh, the business has been going 26 years this week, in fact, since we got our first <laughs> customer way back in, in 1995. Yeah, so... That's that's how I do it. It it works. It continues to work, and yeah, we've got a we've got a happy bunch of uh, of customers who use the statistical edge in there to their favour in the market to outperform the market. And the great news, Gary, is many people uh, jumped onto our website at spotty.com.au to uh, see that you were jumping on the show today and have asked some great questions relative to your area of expertise. And of course, share wealth systems. Uh, com is the website where you can go and learn more about the services that Gary provides. And yes, that great business is, uh, well, de definitely stood the test of time, although past performance is no indicator of future performance, but you don't end up in this paper by accident, that's for sure, for so long. Um, Gary, uh, let's go into the big news stories of the day. Currently, as we go to air, the markets are up again, another record high. Um, as I said last time, any technical indicator that's telling you to sell is lying at the moment. Uh, XJO currently up 0.98%. Uh, the oil order is up 0.8%, so it looks like it's the large caps doing the main bit of the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. Let's get into, though, some of the big news stories. And I want to start with Suncorp, um, who told us uh, that they estimate the maximum amount that they will lose on account of the wild weather events here in Victoria last week will be around $50 million. Now, it told us that it's already passed its total natural hazard cost for the year, though it has reinsurance plans in place to ride through this period. Look, it's a tough hit after the devastating New South Wales and Queensland floods, uh, but given their exposure with regards to um, uh, um, APR as well as AAMI and GIO, that amount actually came a little less than what a lot of people thought. The stock's actually up at the moment, Gary, 0.7%. Suncorp, S-U-N is their code, of course. General insurance, it uh, can be a tough game, very cyclical, but what are the, what's the system telling us at the minute? Well, at the moment, uh, the, it's not one that we cover with our system. It's just not volatile or trendable enough. We, we yeah. measure trendability. So it's um, at the moment, from a technical perspective, it's, uh, it's approaching what I'd call the 50 percentile of the down, the, the large down that it had way back in the GFC in 2000. So it's one of the stocks that are nowhere near its previous highs, as we we're just talking about the market has dismayed uh, in the last week or so. It's all-time high, reached an all-time high, which puts it into secular bull market territory, despite the US markets having been there for eight years. Um, and Suncorp's way below. So it's only 50% of the way back up to where it reached back in 2006, seven. At the moment, it's approaching quite a strong resistance level, which is around about this 11.30 to 11.50 level. It's That was a, a previous strong support level. It fell way below this in the uh, in the COVID-19 crash of last year. 
and is only getting back up to these levels, which is a strong resistance level. So it's come all the way from around about the $8 mark all the way up to this $11.30 area, and it does need to break above this resistance zone, which I suspect is going to take some doing. So from a technical perspective, it's uh, there's a high probability it's going to retrace from here, at least down to maybe into the high 10s and maybe mid-10s again. Yeah, it just seems fake conspires against these general insurers. But nonetheless, though, if momentum continues, then that may very well be the sign. Otherwise, yeah, it'll be uh, perennially range-bound as they seem to be. Uh, a stock that's not range-bound at the moment, Sapara Healthcare, has received a new bid from RSL Care RDNS for some $1.22. Only a small premium on the Mary Healthcare offer last week. But, well, there could be another bidding war ahead. And these bidding war things always seem to happen when you come on the show, Gary. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let's talk about something more relevant, though. Um, I want to talk about, um, you know, what's been a tough period for shareholders. The stock is Service Stream. The code is SSM. Uh, M for Mary, that is, for those playing along at home. Now, look, they've come out and told investors that second half EBITDA will be in line with what they achieved in the first half. And while they did not provide an outlook statement, uh, they're quite positive about the prospects of both their utilities and telecommunications businesses. Now, Gary, obviously, this is a contractor. Um, it uh, did quite well with the MBN rollout, of course, being one of the key partners in regards to that. Um, you know, the... But as they are with these engineering firms, you're only as good as your next contract, and the market's been perennially worried that the work's going to run out with regards to service stream. Today's news, though, has seen the price jump a little bit, 3% at 93 uh, and a bit cents, still well below all-time high levels. But, Gary, what do you think in regards to this? I mean, it's had a big retracement. Has it based enough for you to feel comfortable that uh, this little bounce may be the start of something bigger? No. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's way down off its highs uh, reached in 2019. Uh, it's fallen below the, uh, I'd look at a 50% retracement of the last uprun. So the last had a big uprun from 2013 all the way to 2019. And this is part of the of the technical cycle it's going through. I'm sure there's, there'd be a business reasons and all sorts and fundamental reasons. But from a technical perspective, falling below a 61.8% retracement, which is around about the $1.24 level, was quite key um, from a technical perspective. It's fallen all the way down to around about 80 cents where it's, it's, it's a weak support level. Um, yeah, I've, I'm not seeing uh, any compulsive uh, areas yet to start buying at this stage. It needs to prove itself a lot more either base. I suspect it's going to fall down to around about the 80 cent level and bounce up there a few times if it does find support there uh, before um, getting into, in, you know, before taking a position in this stock. There are far more better opportunities in the market than, than, uh, than service stream. Julie noted. Thank you, Gary. Uh, let's talk about um, uh, earnings expectations. We'll stick on that theme. Austell came out with another downgrade, unfortunately, this time to both revenue and profit. Um, that's It's down around 8% from the midpoint of their previous guidance. Uh, COVID restrictions hurting the business as well as the upcoming ASIC investigation into their operations. Not great. But let's talk about uh, upward trends and we'll talk about uh, an upgrade, which is scrap metals firm Sims Groups upgraded their earnings guidance for the second time in two months, now expecting EBIT to come in uh, between 360 and $380 million, uh, up from the previous guidance of around 280 at the midpoint. Now, this is due to the fact that they um, are achieving very strong metals prices at the moment that they saw in the previous quarter while they're continuing this quarter. Everyone hopes they have a chart like this. Gary, what are your thoughts in regards to Sims? Well, everybody hopes they have a chart like this and probably the shorter to medium term. But stepping back, looking at the bigger picture, there's strong resistance going back all the way to 2003 
at this at the level that it's achieved around about the or just slightly above where it is at the moment but $18 $18 is a big resistance level I think it opened up today and is and it's fallen back a little bit um, mm. even though it's still up on the day um, it's way down on its on its open and this $18 level is, is a big resistance uh, area that it did need to get through obviously run very strongly from $5.50 odd at the bottom of the COVID uh, crash last year and uh, so put on had a big run short in short to medium term the last 12 months but i think in the longer term it's, it's going to pause yeah, and, and struggle to get through the 18 dollars level i think also fundamentally it's um it, it's not making a profit yet and uh, although it is paying a, a dividend so i think it's still got a bit more proof to do i think if you're not in it you wouldn't be getting in it if you're in it you'd be holding it and to see how it reacts at this resistance level at, uh, at 18 dollars yeah, I think that'll be yeah. key. We'll all be watching that one uh, moving forward, Gary. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, long-suffering iCentia shareholders have been put out of their misery finally today with a relief 17.5 cent offer from Access Intelligence and the board unsurprisingly has accepted. And talking about pain being over, the CEO and CFO of Newix have resigned and the company will embark on a global search to find a replacement. Better tidy up my LinkedIn profile, Gary. Um, it's time for us to now actually uh, answer everyone's questions. So uh, remember, folks, we can't take into account your objectives or needs. Uh, past performance, no indicator of future performance. And we do try to disclose when we hold an interest in stocks discussed in the program. But sometimes in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, we forget. Do feel free to contact us directly if you wish to seek any clarification. Gary, I'm going to open up with a question that was basically built for you. Um, the question, or the company's code is ARB Corporation, or ARB, I should say. The question comes from Will, and he actually asked it last week, and uh, fortunately it hasn't gone the other way, Will. He's actually asking on behalf of his mum, Julie, another great supporter of our program. Um, Will purchased the stock just before the breakout. He got in a little early. Fortunately, he broke up to the upside. The price has continued. Um, to run quite uh, strongly. I mean, on a monthly chart, this thing's gone parabolic, but uh, more recently, it looks a little bit more controlled. Um, it's benefited from the uh, domestic travel boom, of course. Uh, we know um, the fact that the used cars have been going through the roof, so everyone's been fixing up their cars for sale. So it's been a good environment for ARB Corporation. That chart would confirm that, and Will knows that, but he'd love to know what sort of support points would he be watching for from here um, to, to ensure that this uptrend is likely to continue? Well, the, I think you asked specifically about a, um, I should just preface saying, this is, ARB is one of the uh, one of the one stock only stocks you could look at in, in the Australian market. Um, and it's be sure it, it goes through retracements and goes sideways for long periods of time. But it's uh, it's running. If you had bought this, excluding dividends going back to 1992, you're looking at a 24% compounded return, excluding dividends, you know, over the last 30 years. So it's uh, it's one of those one stock ownies, and it's one that you could probably hold, provided you can sit through all the downs that every stock has at some stage. But from a, a stock perspective, I, I'd be given its level of volatility, which is running at around two and a half percent at the moment, that is price of, uh, that is the, the ATR I'm using, at average two range. Um, it, the breakout here would have been way down at, uh, at about $15, but that aside, if you trailed this with an average two range trading stop of around about five to five and a half, you would have been in this trade the whole time. It looks around about where the setting is given the volatility levels at the moment. So I'd be placing a stop at closer to $40 than $41. And the, the breakout was around about that $39, $40 level. 
So it might, it looks like it's, it's, it's moved enough not to come back and retest that whole area. But I'd be, re, re, I'd be trading this with a, with a five times to five and a half times uh, ATR trading stop, and that would give you a, a, keep you in the trend. Yeah. Yeah, which means that's yeah, a very which... loose stop, actually. So Gary's got uh, quite a bit of faith in good old ARB. Uh, bull, bull, uh, bull bars, a good business. Um, Gary, I will go to um, you. There was a, another question here. Sorry, I just uh, lost my screen here for a, uh, for a minute. Um, I'll actually ask one follow-up from Young Will, and it's a stock that we've talked about on this program quite a few times. It's Vulcan Energy. Uh, the code is VUL. Um, positioned itself in Europe, so it's definitely in the hotbed of where all the battery stuff and all that's going, and its share price had gone parabolic, but it had retraced, pulled back, and it seems to have now started a more traditional slower, you know, stepped up, higher high and higher lows, um, as it were. Um, you know, he sees a, a spin-off uh, coming in the short term, which is generally good for price because it allows the company to focus on its core operations um, and also investors get to realise um, the, addition, uh, the additional extra holding. So just in regards to VUL, currently where its price is sitting, would you share Will's positive disposition to the business at the moment? From a technical perspective, I would. Um, mm. it's, uh, it's it's classic you know, chart we're looking at here, a, a sharp run up, you know, then a fall, 61.8. In fact, it nearly went to a 78.6% retracement. And, and you'd expect that from a really volatile run that it had up from you know, $3 to, what was it, about uh, $14 pretty quickly. So it's taking a breather. That breather has been running now since January. So it's five months in the making. And the volatility has died from, you know, kind of, levels of uh, 10 to 15 percent uh, down to to below five percent so it's sitting at 4.6 percent volatility now and then just had a classic little breakout on some decent volume uh, just a couple of days ago uh, and uh, you might expect a retracement so back down to round about the what was that high you might expect a retracement to around about 850 to 830 maybe but depending on the strength and behind the stock, it might just take off from here. So I wouldn't be waiting for a retracement. By the look of things, this breakout has occurred, but you would need to set a stop as well. And uh, depending, volatility is still around about you know, just 4%. It's still relatively high, but you, this is the test. When the breakout first happens, you, you, you need to give it some room to go. So I'd be setting a stop at round about the 750 level, which would be uh, give a little bit of, uh, of room to fall below the breakout zone and still maybe go from there as well. So I'd, I'd, I'd be looking at this quite positively to take a position. This obviously not the whole house and, uh, and you should position size according to the rest of your investment portfolio as well. Yeah, of course. So that's a topic for another day, Gary. And yes, um, social media is definitely looking for the next VUL. Um, I will go to Craig, though, who on the text machine asked about an interesting story. Again, another stock we've talked about before. Keener Securities, KSL. I've said in the past they want to become the Macquarie of the Pacific, basically. They recently purchased uh, Westpac's assets in the region as well. Um, pays a ripper dividend yield of around 10%, but its price has been trending sideways for quite some time. Wants to know whether this more recent kick after there was an initial little bit of a sell-off as um, COVID cases started to rise in PNG, but that seems to have now been put behind it. Seems to be on a little bit of a rally at the moment. And uh, young Craig wants to know if that's sustainable, Gary. Yeah, well, it's had a quite a strong resistance zone at the moment, uh, mm. which is round about this dollar up to dollar ten level, um, and it's risen quite sharply from around about ninety cents. Uh, and it is, it's a trading zone. It's in a trading zone. 
So I want to see a breakout above $1.10. It's done this a couple of times, uh, mid last year and then again in March this year. Um, so it needs another, it's going to have another bash of trying to get through. Typically third, fourth, by the time, if it's going to go, it'll break through in the third or fourth occasion. I suspect just looking at the length of time and just my gut feel on the chart and looking at the support resistance zone, it may have a retracement here first before having another go. But if it does break out, you've got to, you've got to take the position if you believe in it. But technically, it's, it's, it's going in the right direction. It just needs to have that breakout probably to the $1.12, $1.15 level. Yeah, just one of those undiscovered gems on the market that keeps trading there, Craig, that the, you know, for whatever reason, no one wants to really take up because of the nature of the operations and the region they're in. But from a fundamental perspective, ticking all the right boxes, as we've discussed before on the program. A um, question from a first-time, long-time person. Uh, oh, well, actually, only a short-term person. Who, so first-time, short-time person, Gary. Um, the question uh, comes in regards to uh, Varu, who asks about 14D. The code is, or the company is 14, 14 degrees. I'll spare you this one because it's pretty obvious what's been happening here, Gary. Uh, the narrative behind it is the current state of play, to be honest, Varu, is that they have no CEO in the role full time. The chairman, Ken Moriarty, has been replaced by an accountant. A month earlier, employees were complaining about workplace behaviour and therefore the CEO stepped down. Look, they've got an interesting technology. They see their silicon-based storage tech that they're building as a contributor to our move to a greener baseload energy source. Uh, they are building their Aurora plant at Port Augusta in order to prove that. But look, it's got to sort this corporate stuff out. Um, they were downsizing office space, um, which is not a great sign. Um, look, I'll leave this one on the table until I can get some clarity that things are actually improving, to be honest. And, you know, you just got to remember, even if you sell out of a stock, you can always buy back in if the narrative changes or, as Gary would allude to, the share price trend changes. Um, there, there's no need to think that, you know, you, once you're in, you're in forever. You know, you can manage your money more effectively, particularly as a retail investor. Very different for a fund manager, but for a retail investor, you can um, be a lot more fluid as to where your capital goes to. Um, Vic, who is a first-time, long-time person, though, Wanted to ask a more philosophical question. And um, we've got a couple of these now coming, Gary. Um, he wants to ask about the current market at the moment. I mean, he's seen Brexit and US elections all out of the way. Um, he's seen bond yields starting to stabilise, the sell-in May phenomenon uh, rubbished once again, as we've talked about before, Gary. Um, COVID somewhat under control, markets showing no direction at present, but still appearing to be overbought. Talk of inflation. Basically, he's got no idea what's likely to go on. None of us have any idea what's going to go on, but he'd be interested to know what's, uh, what, what's likely ahead for the Australian market, the US market, and gold prices. And I already know what your answer is, Gary, but you articulate it better than me. Yeah, well, this one, Elio, is about preparing and not predicting. Um, mm. And that's, that's what we all need to do. And the way I prepare is through a statistical edge, which keeps me invested until I get exit signals according to that edge and I go, go into cash. And, and most of the time that happens when the exit signals come, uh, I, I don't even know why they're coming. They just come. And, and, yeah. and it's the built up, uh, if they were like the, the cycles of the market and all the variables that conspire at that time, give exit signals and I get out. And then typically the major reasons come out. Obviously last year with COVID, that wasn't, the case that we knew what the major reason was when the exit signals started coming in February, but we got out. So, so the, the, the message here is to prepare, not predict, and don't get in, don't get sucked into notions, opinions, conjecture, guess second guessing what's going to happen. And if you if you have a, a process where the, no matter what the criteria are based on, 
as long as those criteria provide you with a statistical edge, if you'd follow those criteria, then that kind of liberates you to get out of this prediction game and through your preparation, you know what you're going to do. You almost, you almost want to say, bring it, bring it on. Yeah, I'll embrace any negativity that the market throws at me because I know how I'm going to, I'm going to handle this regardless of what the, the causation variable is that makes it happen. So, uh, so that, that's, so where's the market at the moment? Well, you know, for every one or two variables or three or five or 10 variables, you can throw it to me, throw at me that would justify or use some kind of logic to say the market's going to fall in a heap. I could probably find just as many to justify to you with, with sound logic that's going to say, no, it's going to continue going. So Correct. that is why we don't want to get into prediction. We don't want to latch onto a variable or two and, and then start making decisions based on what may happen. We go, let it happen, let it be, and when it happens, whatever causes it, we react according to the known edge, the, the criteria we have in place. And when you work that out as an investor, I promise you, it is so liberating. Yeah, but then I had Tweety Bird on Twitter, and we'll do this as part of our education corner, who asked a pretty pertinent question, wanted to know, what is noise? And there, and then the, I think I dare suggest young Tweety Bird actually knew what noise is. But then he followed up by saying, "Is spotty noise?" Now, of course, you know, making money is a really hard thing to do, and I appreciate that. But nonetheless, the question around noise, you know, the, the question that young Vic asked about where markets are heading, all this sort of—I mean, we get bombarded by it. You talked a little mm. bit in regards to you know having your, your signals ready to go, but. How do you filter that noise, Gary? I mean, as a professional investor, how do you go about filtering that noise so that you can actually hone in on the stuff that matters, like Spotty, or, and ignore everything else that's out there? Well, firstly, you need to define what noise is, right? And the way I define noise is it's, it's any opinion, conjecture, view that has an unknown statistical edge. So if I had to come on here and talk to you about something that has a statistical edge, but I, at that stage, I only know that, or and my clients know that, but the person watching it doesn't know it has a statistical edge, they'd need to verify that it does. And if, it, if they are happy that the noise, the opinion that I'm putting forward uh, is backed by, and you know, evidence backed by statistical edge, then it's no longer noise. Um, but yes, he would fit into, by the definition of people watching and hearing my at this stage, it's an opinion for them. It's not verified by them, and it is noise. And so that's the definition. If you if you're using whatever set of whatever process you're using in your in your decision support system to buy or sell or hold stocks, and how much you put into those stocks in your own environment, then then it's it's not noise if you have a defined statistical edge. If you read something in a newspaper, anything on a TV, or or any source from anywhere and people are giving opinions without verifying that they have a statistical edge behind it, well, then that's noise. And from the fundamental side of things, uh, Tweety Bird, well, the thing that determines whether what you hear is noise or whether it's relevant is really not what that content is. Rather, you've got to ask yourself, what's your investment strategy and how well do you know your companies? Now, if you have an investment strategy and you know your companies, you'll have an automatic noise filter that will allow you to, to digest the information that's relevant and ignore the other 99.9% .9 of it that um, totally isn't. Um, and then, yes, if you follow a process like Gary's, um, then that also further aids you because, of course, as they say, the market is a great um, vehicle for showing you what um, everyone else is thinking right now, irrespective of what the noise might be telling you. And, Kate, that's also another lead into your question in regards to 
when you're looking for ASX uh, breakout stocks and you notice that you find a few moves um, like on the first or second bar, so you catch it really quickly and really um, easily and why a number of professionals may not very well be actually able to identify that. I think it's important to remember that there's a thousand breakouts that occur all the time on the market, right? Breakouts in terms of having a software program or something that shows you those events will happen all the time. What the professionals, where they add value above and beyond just in regards to a one day price move is in regards to, as I'll use Gary's vernacular, the edge as it were, in regards to identifying a pattern or a price behavior that then gives you the chance that you're not buying a false breakout as it were. At the end of the day, leave a few cents on the table for the next guy. Sometimes waiting for the proof to occur based on whatever strategy you've got, um, be it TA or fundamental analysis or whatever it is, will be worth more to you in the long run and get the odds working better in your favour. So hopefully um, that helps there. Um, before we ask you about um, two stocks to watch, Gary, I do want to touch on one. It comes from a great fan of the program, Nick, and he's a great fan of yours as well, Gary. Uh, wants to know about Family Zone, FZO, who recently, of course, signed that agreement with the largest school region in Texas. Uh, the price has found a bit of support in recent times. Would you agree with Nick's positive disposition on FZO, Gary? Yeah, it's uh, another one of these stocks that's at a pretty uh, strong resistance zone. It's uh, it's bounced off a support zone way down at sort of 40 to 42 cents, and it's now resistance at around about this 59, 60, 61 cent level. It's had, uh, this is its fifth bash of trying to get through there. So it's uh, is a high probability looking at the time, the time that it ran up from uh, G all the way down at 6 cents all the way up to 60 cents. Been going sideways now since August of last year. That's starting to come to enough time of taking a breather for a breakout. So it looks like this is keeping going in the, in the same direction. A breakout would be imminent, but I'd be waiting for that breakout because uh, if it doesn't happen, it could retrace all the way back down to 40 cents again. Um, but wait for the breakout, you know, 62 to 65 cents on volume, and then buy the breakout uh, and then set a, set a, a stop. At the, at the current resistance zone should become a support zone. That's the way I'd play it. So if you want to take a little bit of risk and get it earlier because you know something else other than me just looking at the chart, yeah, then just remember to place, find a place to predefine your risk and where you'd put that stop. Yeah, and I continue to hold it, Nick. I'm free carrying now at the moment, though it has tested my patience in recent times. This latest agreement gives them the right to sell into the region. It doesn't guarantee that they get all the money uh, for door, but you can see the market's obviously quite optimistic and it continues to penetrate into the US as well. So uh, good signs ahead from my um, side of things. And yes, I'm happy the price chart is moving the right way. Gary, time for you to step up to the plate and help us shine the light on two stocks that we're going to sit there and listen attentively to. Then we're going to toddle off and do our own research and see why uh, these stocks might be of interest and whether they align with their own investment objectives and, of course, tolerance to risk. So take it away, Maestro. Certainly. The first one is Blue Scope Steel, the large mm -hmm. cap one I've chosen today. It's, it's one that gave an entry signal on our, on our system uh, just last week and or might be in the week before, late the week before, the 4th of August to get in on the, on the, on the Monday. And it's, it's at a, a short term resistance around about this level. The breakout occurred way back at $19 went up to the $22, $23 level, came down, retested that break, that breakout at around about $20, $19.50 as, as on its way again. So I'm looking for a breakout, a clear breakout, breakout to $23.50, $24, uh, in which case we could see another decent juicy trend come out of that one. Uh, that Blue Scope Steel, BSL. The other one is a, a smaller cap one. 
Imugen, uh, which is IMU Indigo Mike uh, Unicorn, mm-hmm. and uh, the thing had a has, uh, had a fifty percent retracement of the run up from nine cents to fifty cents. Come back down, found support at that uh, twenty nine cent, thirty twenty nine and a half cent level, and it looks like it's on its way again, looking for this to rise to make a new high at fifty cents. With obviously you put a trailing stop on it. And uh, and you might because it's quite volatile. You'd want to maybe set a four and a half. It's running at eleven percent volatility, so you'd uh, you'd want to probably set a four to five uh, ATR stop on this one as well. Yeah, exciting yeah. story there at Imogene and as well uh, Blue Scope Steel, uh, the two stocks that Gary from Sharewell Systems has uh, kindly shone shine the light on today for us. And of course, Gary, thank you for your great contribution, as always, not just from a stock perspective, but in particular an education perspective. And I hope everyone took uh, away some few gems today. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks, Gary. Now, sharewealthsystems.com is where you can go to learn more about uh, his services. Uh, Kunal Sawney from Kalkine will be joining us tomorrow. Now, he's virtually uh, an everywhere uh, man. He basically covers everything on the ASX with his uh, strong team there at uh, Kalkine. So if you've got a question, send it through on the text machine, 0480 079 089, or question at spotty.com. Of course, we are always looking for new talent as well on the program. So if there's a broker you use, uh, let them know and let me know and I'll follow up and see how we go. And if you've got some time, remember to go to the website to learn about our inaugural Spotty Ed event. The details are on there. Until tomorrow, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty. Thank you for your patience, everyone, because together we've been shining the spotlight on shares.